Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, church. Now I do. I want to. I want to spark your memories. Remember what we've been talking about. What we've been studying in chapter twelve. Very, very important. Why? Because the very first thing we discovered in verse one is we discovered that a woman that was called right was was actually Israel. So the woman is Israel, and it's important to know. Okay, and then we went over to Genesis 37. We said, yeah, this is Israel because Joseph had a dream about the sun, the moon, the stars. And this was a very strong reference to Israel. Okay, now most people would look at chapter 12 and go, well, the great sign appeared in heaven and a woman. Who's the woman? Oh, was it Mary? It was probably the Virgin Mary. And they start they start doing all kinds of stuff. And no, no, no. You remember of expositional constancy. Scripture's got to interpret Scripture. You go, oh, okay. So remember that. Remember when you study the Bible, there's, there's three components. Number one, it's observation. The second one is interpretation. And when you interpret, it's not our interpretation. It's Scripture interpreting Scripture. Okay? And then there's the application. And so how do we apply that to our lives? And so that's how we study the Bible. Well, again, we see that it was a strong reference to Israel. Now, again, think about John, okay? As John is writing, could you imagine? Could you imagine being in the island of Patmos, being just like, you think this is it. I'm at my wit's end. This is, I'm alone. This is, how did I end up here? And, 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 and let me just tell you for just a moment, think about this for a second, guys, if you will. Put on your thinking caps because, because in just a moment, John was, was over here and he was young enough that he was enjoying the fruits of hanging out with Jesus. So much so, it would often find his head on the, on, on leaning on Jesus so much. And this was, this is, wow, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. How did I go from the fruits of hanging out with God to a barren place in Patmos? To a rocky place. I feel so isolated. I feel so alone. And the reason, guys, that, that we understand that, that in Patmos is where God gave John his greatest blessing. The whole revelation of Jesus in his glorified state. And what's going to happen? The problem is, guys, is from the fruits of hanging out with Christ, okay, to the island of Patmos, we often misunderstand what God is doing and we sit here alone. And we freak out instead of just waiting and watching God do something. Just wait. Just wait. So John's writing, and it's, and it's twofold, guys. And one is what we call apocryphal writing, okay? And two, if you recall, he is again in the island of Patmos. So, so not only is it apocryphal, but it's, listen, it's signs and symbols. This is what he's going to do. This is why he says a woman and, and, and so forth, right? And you go, well, Ben, why would John write in signs and symbols? I, I would really like to know. Well, I believe, guys, I believe the reason is threefold. If you're taking note, you can jot these down because I think it's very important. I think the reason he wrote in signs and symbols is because to provide protection. He, John has a heart for other people. You go, what do you mean provide protection? Well, he's writing during a time of intense persecution. This is about 95 AD. The emperor Domitian is on a rampage and he wants to persecute those who believe in Jesus. And so he goes, oh, I'm going to write in signs and 
symbols. Now, remember, this is written in such a way that it would make sense, it, well, it would make no sense to the enemies of the church. They'd be like, they would really think that John was out in the sun too long and he's really lost it. He's just, he's dehydrated. I don't know what he is. And, oh, well, he's just writing Babel stuff. Don't even worry about it. Well, he wants to send this out. Well, just let it go. What's, what, well, I mean, think about it. He's talking about heaven, right? Come on, John. He's talking about a woman in heaven and, and giving birth. And he's just like moon and stars. No, don't worry. John's just crazy. He's an old, he's an old man and he's crazy. But those who had a grasp on the Old Testament scriptures, it would not be hard to understand at all. Much of the imagery is very Old Testament. Think about this. Listen, listen. In fact, there are 404 verses in the book of Revelation. 404. At least 360 quotations are from the Old Testament. Why? Well, think about it. John really didn't have a grasp on the New Testament. He just knew what he knew, and he wrote it that way. So you go, well, Ben, what's the point? Well, here's my point. Here's something we can take and put in our pocket and and take home for the rest of the week. You go, what's that? Make sure, guys, you and I have a good grasp of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Have a good grasp. Listen, I know, listen, I know there are pastors. I've heard from pastors' mouth that say, no, 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 we're not even going to study the Old Testament. It, it, it's Old Covenant. It's written to Israel. Blah, 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 blah. We're New Covenant. And they're from their own mouth. And I'm going, listen, if God didn't want us to study the Old Testament, he went to giving it to us. He wants us to really grasp it. There's a lot of good application. Yes, I know that there were stuff written to Israel. I get that. But there's so much good stuff for us. Because again, what a good, what a, what a good application for, for us to be well-fed. Well-fed in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if it wasn't for the book of Revelation, normally on a Wednesday night, we would be going through an Old Testament book, really tying in the scriptures, okay? So here's what I want you to take away with. The Old Testament, Old Testament, all of the Old Testament points to the cross. You can see Jesus in every, you can point, I mean, there is the gospel. There's the gospel. And it's real. Bethany, it's real. I mean, it's like real life. And I'll tell you why. Because the other day I was reading, and I said this on Sunday, the other day I was reading about, about David, and David's praying for his kid, and, and, you know, yeah, he messed up, yeah, he sinned with Bathsheba, yeah, he really even messed up and had her husband killed, I mean, murder and all the, everything else, but think about this, he prayed and he said, please, Lord, don't let my baby die, if you'll be merciful, and guess what? The baby died. And that's real to me because there are times that I've prayed for something that I, that I go, Lord, it, I think it's good. I think, why would not, why would your mercy not, not, Lord, this is a human being, why? And God says, no, I'm not going to answer that prayer. And it teaches me to trust the sovereignty of God. And I'll tell you why, because David said, listen, I'm not, he's not going to come back to me. I'm going to go to him. And so David had the right perspective, but that's in the word of God. That's in the Word of God. I was reading the Word of God the other day when, when Sheba was, was, was across and, and he was taunting David and he was cursing David. And one of David's men said, Lord, why should he do this to my king? Should I go kill him? And David's like, no, 
Leave him alone. Maybe that's what God put in him to curse me. And David had the right perspective. And it's like, it's just real. And I think we've got to have a good grasp because there's a lot of good application for us. And tying in Genesis all the way to Revelation, it just makes us just well, well fed. That's the first one, guys. You go, what's that? It's to provide protection. Number two, guys, think about this. It was, it was the reason um, was to convey information. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to get the information out. See, you go, how so? Here's why. Symbolism, okay, was not weakened by time. You go, what do you mean? Language is weakened over time, right? Uh, but symbolism is, is cross-generational, where language is not. Why? Think about the King James Version Bible. Think about the 1611 King James. They said thou and thee and thou's and these and thereas and whereas. And we don't talk like that today. Okay, we don't. And so language eventually loses. They, they did back in 1611. And if you got on a time machine and you went to 1611, they would think you're crazy. Because you'd be walking in going, what up? You know, I mean, they'd be like, what are you doing? But on the same way, if somebody came here from 1611, it was like, thou, Robert. So you'd be like, that's not how we talk, you know? And, and again, we, we, we got to understand, he wants to convey information. So he, instead of going language, oh, I know that over time, how long has it been? Over 2,000 years, okay? Uh, language has lost its, its, uh, it's just, it's just lost it. Symbolism, it's weakened, but symbolism has not. Third reason, guys, and I think this is important. This is where it should grasp us. You go, why? John wrote this to arouse our emotions, to arouse our emotions. Why? Because symbolism arouses strong emotions. When John paints a vivid picture, guys, it, it, we, we can picture it in our imagination, okay? When he starts talking about this, and so not only does the Lord want to educate our minds where we walk out of here going, wow, that was good, but it, he wants to stir our hearts, he wants to stir our hearts, right? So that's what he does. John is writing this way. And so it's so important to grasp that because when John, when, when he comes up in chapter 13, he says, hey, there's going to be a mark. And his number is 666. He's using symbolism. And Mel, we have to be careful that just because it's a number that we don't take it across the board and go, oh, well, it's well, my license plate says 666. Ah! You know, we're just scared or, or, you know, I mean, that's, that's how we are, right? We'll go to the grocery store and, and you'll buy a, a, a soda and maybe some gum and a bag of chips and, uh, that's 666. Oh, $6.60. You're like, oh, uh, no, let me get something else because I don't want that number. No, no, we, 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 it's gonna, it's gonna do that. It's gonna arouse our emotions, guys, but he wants to stir our hearts. And so when you see that, you go, wow, I wonder what it is. Now, you guys, 2019, we would wonder, wow, I wonder what the mark's going to be. I wonder how that's going to play down. I wonder how, how uh, the whole world. Now, listen, I know maybe Texas could do this or maybe the United States, but we're talking about the whole world. 2021, you and I are going, that's how. That's how. That's how. And then last week, we learned that we were introduced to a child, Okay, and in, and if you have your Bible, you realize it's capital because it was none other than Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. 
Okay? So we were introduced to Israel as the woman, Jesus Christ as the child. The next character we were introduced last week was the dragon. How do you know the dragon? What do you mean? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Hey, hey, right? Aaron, here's a dragon. She's going to go, Ben, seriously? Dragon? I have not seen. But it's symbolism. And so what does it speak of? Well, verse 9 actually interprets that verse. It says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast with him. So it was, we know who it is, right? Most of the people writing who didn't know anything about that would go, John's talking about dragons again. Okay, crazy dreaming, you know, but he says this is who it is. And and it also states this, the dragon, the devil. Guys, this guy in verse 10, he's the accuser of the brethren, okay? Who's accursed, who, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, here's what you need to understand. That still happens today. That still happens today because, because we're future. We're three and a half years into the tribulation. Now, we're going to get to that, but here's what I want you to see. That happens today. The enemy even today goes up when you mess up, when you blow it, when you sin, and he accuses you. Did you see my, did you see what Yvonne did today? Did you see, blah, and, and he just accuses, and that's what he does. That's what he, uh, did you see what Ben did? Did you see how he honked at them? Did you see his attitude today? And he's the accuser of the brethren. That's what he says. Then, And day and night, he's trying to get us. Look what he did. Look what she did. I didn't do anything. Look what she thought. Ooh, I don't know. Sometimes we have a bad attitude in our thought life, don't we? And that's, that's the devil. Remember what we talked about, and it's so important about what his names mean, right? Because we see he's called the serpent of old. And that takes us back to the Garden of Eden. He's the serpent of old. He was there, the one tempting. Devil. You go, what's devil? It speaks of his methods, guys. One who defames and slanders. That's his job description. That's who he is. He's going to defame. Did you see what Robert did? That can't be a Christian. Come on. And he slanders. Verse 10, we saw he was the accuser of the brethren. His name, Satan, actually means adversary. We know that says the great red dragon. Red reveals his character because it pictures his murderous motivations. And can I just tell you this? I sat with a couple right behind where Mike Shaw is sitting, and I saw the enemy wanting to destroy and murder their limb, murder them. Not guys, he wouldn't, he didn't care that he just murdered their relationship. He wanted to kill them. That's what he does. That's what he does. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 that he's a thief. He's a thief. He comes to kill, rob, and destroy. And if we're not on guard, Rosa, if we're not on guard, okay, the Holy Spirit living inside us, being sensitive, he wants to kill our relationships. He wants to destroy our lives. He, wa- he wants to rob us of everything. He wants to rob us of our, our what, our, our joy and our peace. In this. That's what he wants to do. There'll be some days, come on, 
There'll be some days you'll wake up and you'll just be in a good mood. You'll just be, life is good and you're happy and it won't take but just a couple of bad comments or something somebody tells you or just their attitude that it just ruins your day. That's the enemy. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, okay, but against principalities. Now, he uses people, but man, it's just that one comment. Jesus also said in John 8, 44, guys, that Jesus uh, called Satan a murderer from the beginning. And see, that brings us up to verse 7, okay? And right now, think about this, guys. Put your thinking caps on, okay? Your world. Your world right now, it's peaceful. You can go to the store. You can buy groceries. You can go to a fast food restaurant. You can do, I mean... Um, if you want to go camping, there's some really nice places to go camping. There's fresh water, uh, trees, all kinds of good stuff. You understand that. But I want you to put your mindset in what's happening here. Evil is evident everywhere you look. Okay? You don't feel safe going out of your house. You need to buy food. You're not sure what to do. The world has gone crazy. People you love have died. Oh, not so much because of the rapture, but because, because they've been killed. People you love have been tortured. People that you've got to know have been tortured. Now, not you guys, because you're not here. Amen? We're not here, right, Yvonne? We're gone. We're out of here. But understand, there are going to be people that we know that, that as much as you tell them how much God loves them, they're just, they, they can't cross that line just yet. But right here, over 4 billion people are dead. And there's evil everywhere. So much so visible evil because of the invisible war that's actually taking place for a thousand years. And like television waves, if you will, guys, evil forces surround us, but we can't see them. Okay? And if we had the right receiver, guys, we could make their effect visible. Right? And so what chapter 12 does, he goes, hey, by the way, I know you can't see this. I know you can't see spiritual warfare. I know your pastor gets behind the pulpit and he says, guys, if you give your life to Jesus. And, and, and again, I hate to keep referencing that, that wonderful couple, but I told him, listen, you understand that you had, you had trouble. Um, you're changing teams. There's going to be more trouble. You understand that. But there's going to be peace. There's going to be, you're going to have hope. But, but the enemy is going to go, uh-uh. That, those guys are on my team, uh-uh, and he's going to full force. I had to warn him, and that's exactly what we see. And so chapter 12 sort of does that. It kind of gives us a look behind the scenes, okay, of this invisible war, um, which the devil and his unholy mafia, if you will, fighting the angels of God. And basically, it's the forces of dark versus the forces of light. This is chapter 12. And chapter 12 tells us some things that the devil doesn't want to know about his tactics. You go, what's that? Number one, if you are growing, thriving Christian, you are a target for the enemy. If you are growing in your walks with God. Now, listen, there are some of you guys that text me um, Bible stuff. I love it. Because I can see that you're growing. I can see that I'm just like, wow, you are a target for the enemy. Well, I don't say that to scare you. I say that so you go, okay, okay, I'm aware. I'm aware. 
uh, your attention, please. When, when I led those two people to Christ, I do this for, this is me. But I sat there and I said, oh, man. Oh, man. Because the devil doesn't want me doing that either. He doesn't want you doing that. And so I kind of waited, kind of waited to see what. And, and that's the whole point. He doesn't necessarily react right away. You kind of go, oh, okay, things are going good. I'm, things are, and So I know. I know. But, but think about this, guys. Think about this. Let, let, let's go back. Okay, let's put on our thinking cap. So important. Those of you watching online, check this out. Okay. Um, we read in verse 10 that Satan, his characteristic, who he is, guys, he's always fighting. He's always, what is he doing? He's always accusing and he's always exalting himself, Right? And I was sitting here going, wow, okay. And then I thought, oh, oh. You know what I actually thought, guys? And I don't, I'm going to step on your toes as well as step on my own. I said, you know what? Sometimes when we practice any of these characteristics, I said, who are we reflecting? When we're accusing the brethren, when we're fighting, when we're sowing discord, Amongst the brethren, I'm going, wow. Wow, I, I, I don't want to, pra- I don't, yeah, you stepped on my toes, I know. Think about this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face beholding a mirror, the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image of the glory just as we're being led by spirit. And so if God says, listen, the more you stay closer to the Lord, the more you're being unveiled, the more you're reflecting his characteristics, we got to be careful because I have to check my heart to see what characteristics I'm reflecting. Let me, let me give you one. Okay, may I? Can I have your permission? I'll tell you one that really busts me. You ready? Complaining. When we complain about this or that or the other, who are we most like? I would love to take the, the complaining and turn it on its head and have an attitude of gratitude. I know it's hard. I'm flesh. I complain. Well, it's too hot. Oh, it's too cold. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, I can't. And I complain. But, but I'd, I'd rather turn that and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for, for, thank you for coffee in the morning. Man, it smells good. Amen. Right? Thank you for, I had lunch today. We got to eat. And, and, and we take these things for granted because we feel like we deserve them. But we should be so thankful for every little thing. Every little, thank you, Lord. And I, I mean that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Remember, as Christians, guys, as fully devoted followers of Jesus, we should reflect who God is. Okay? All you are is a giant reflector. (laughs) You're just a giant reflector. Whoever God is is... Okay? We should reflect in our lives and how we live.
Guys, do you remember when, last March, when people were starting to buy up all the toilet paper and buy up all the food and, and all that? Do you remember? And, you, and we were just freaking out. Do you remember when it first, do you remember how many people in the store were walking around sad and just kind of freaked out? I go shopping for our groceries every week. That's my duty. That's my chore. And I haven't seen the, the shelves as empty as I did back then. But, but more importantly, I haven't seen people with this sad face of just despair and, and, and unbelief. And, and now we're so jump. Come on, help me. We're so jumpy that if we read something on Facebook or we hear something, guess, guess there's going to be no guess. We jump in our cars and we go fill up right away or we do what, I mean, that's how we're so, we're like, I don't want to be left with no gas. I mean, you know, they'll show you something that, that there's no gas or, or pumps are running. I just, or, or whatever it might be. It could be gas. I read this week. I don't know if you read this. I read this week that through the computer system in a, in, in a, the beef processing plant, some sort of, did you read that, Robert? That it, it shut down the computer, that it basically stopped all of the beef production in the farms. And I was like, so guess what that means? Everybody go tonight and buy steaks because I don't know what's going to be like next week. I mean, I, you, you see? And Nathalie goes, wait, wait, a computer virus shot, stop. Yeah, we, don't we all run on computers? That's it. But I wonder today, you ready? Ready, Rosa? Who am I reflecting? Who am I reflecting? And we talked on Sunday, if you recall, we're like those, we're like these, these glow, you know, these, these, just these glow in the dark gadgets that the closer we walk with Jesus, the brighter we shine. Okay? Because in order for a glow in the dark gadget to really shine, you have to put it close to the light and you have to hold it there. And then you shut off the light and you go, oh, look, I can see it. And you have fun with it. That's how we are. The closer we walk with Jesus, the brighter we're going to shine. Can I get an amen? I'll tell you why. Because the opposite of that is so true, is it not? The farther we walk, hadn't spent any quiet time, haven't been in prayer, haven't been in church, haven't had fellowship, we're not shining so bright when it comes to other people in the world. I didn't get an amen on that one. But that, isn't that true? I find myself. There used to be a song back, just a while back in, 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 in the song, the lyric says, you know, how is it between us? She's, she would ask the Lord, how is it between us, Lord? How are things between us? Because sometimes I get so caught up in, in what I'm doing, I forget that I have a relationship and I've, well, I've neglected you. Or even worse, come on, stay with me on this, church, stay with me. Or even worse, we'll have our quiet time out of duty. Oh, check mark, did my quiet time. What'd you get out of it? Out of what? Well, you read the Bible, right? Well, yeah, did my quiet time, did my check mark. And instead of a desire to hear God's voice for your life, I'm just as guilty as you are. I don't want to do it. Oh, yeah, pastor had his quiet time. I, I, I want to hear God's voice. I want to know what's for me. I want to know what area I'm struggling in.
And I thought about this way, right? I thought about this way. Ever noticed, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, the person you hang out with the most, right, could be your husband, right? The person you're around the most, you sort of take on some of his or her habits, right? You sort of, you sort of, I mean, you start, you know, like, like, I've been married to Nathalie for well over 33 years, and there are times that, that we reflect a lot of what each other, I mean, this is, we just, some of her sayings are my sayings, and some of my sayings are her sayings, and you guys, do you get that, right? The person. And that's kind of how it is, guys. If, if, if we hang out with the Lord, then we're going to reflect who He is. And the Lord has called us to walk in His presence out of an abundance, then we can reflect Him. So, <laughs> that brings us to our text, okay? So what I want to do, guys, is read with me uh, 1 through 12, and then we'll come back and jump in verse 7, okay? It says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head and a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red. There it is, guys. Dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her. A child as soon as, to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bore him a male child who will rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had prepared a place by God that would feed her there 1,260 days. Now, your attention, please. Before we jump into verse 7, do you guys notice what's going on? Okay. Israel, we talk about caught up. We talk about wilderness. So all our minds would go back to what? To Israel coming out of Exodus into the wilderness. Okay. We, we studied that in Genesis. This week we're going to study, or next week, sorry, we're going to study where Jesus actually gets baptized, okay, and then goes into the wilderness. What's he doing? He's rewriting Israel's past. Very, very important because, remember, Matthew shows him to be from the lineage of David, to be the new Moses. How? Through baptism, through the wilderness. And then, now we see it again in the end times where Israel's going to run to the place called, it's called Petra in, in Jordan right now. Okay, so so you see how all this makes sense. Verse seven. Okay, verse seven. It says, and and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was their place found in them in heaven any longer. Guys, underline verse eight. So great the dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to earth, and his angels were cast with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having a great wrath because he knows he has a short time. Picking it up, verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Okay, there's war. Michael and his angels fight with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fight. So the first thing we see is there's war in heaven. 
You got that? Okay. Now, here's something that we don't consider enough. The battles that are taking place in the spiritual realm. Okay? If we could somehow peel back the sky, the atmosphere, and get a glimpse uh, into the unseen realm in the spiritual realm, we would be amazed at the conflict. Okay? We would just be like, wow, are you serious? Yeah. Remember what Paul wrote when he's writing to the Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 12. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of, of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, I don't think we'll ever understand the full magnitude of the truth when we get to heaven. I don't think we'll grasp it until we get there. And we'll be amazed, to be honest with you, the battles that were fought for souls. You'll be amazed. Let me ask you a question real quick on the subject. Have you ever witnessed to somebody, maybe in your office, and you're talking to somebody about the Lord, and, and the phone hasn't rang all day, but the moment you start talking about Jesus, the moment you start just sharing a little bit, everybody comes in, and you're just like, Really? I mean, the phones are going nuts, all of this stuff, and that's exactly it. I mean, there's, they, they don't want anybody to get saved. And yet, you guys are a byproduct of what God can do because you're saved. But that happens. That happens. But these guys, in verse 8, it says they don't prevail. They don't prevail. They're not going to prevail, nor was there a place found for them any longer. Now, in our minds, guys, click, click. Uh, we're in the middle of the tribulation. Satan and his forces are rendered a death blow right here. You guys mark that. This is, this is key because the Bible just told us they're cast out of heaven. They have no more access. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on? Okay, let's talk for just a bit, okay? First of all, we see that its origin was in fact heaven. Um, now remember, John... He writes like, okay, this is going on in heaven, and then he'll say, oh, this is on earth, and then this is in heaven. But um, right now, we, he, sees, he goes, look at, look at what's going on in heaven. This is an amazing war. And you go, in heaven? Wait a minute, time out, Pastor Ben. I thought heaven was supposed to be this calm and peaceful, all these meadows and flowers and brooks. It's supposed to be that. But listen, Scripture makes it clear that right now, Satan still has access to heaven. You understand that? That's why when I said he is the accuser of us, that even today he's in heaven going, look, look at Rosa, look what she did, look over here. And he starts pointing and he starts accusing. Hey, wait, listen, are you going to let Ben get away with this? Look what he did. He's supposed to be your servant. Come on. And so he's accusing day and night because he still has access. But right here, See, oftentimes we think, well, well, wait a minute. Satan's in hell, right? Satan is in hell. And, and, uh, but you know what? Actually, Satan's never been in hell. He's, he's not in hell. And we won't read about him going to, to the bottomless pit or to, right, to the lake of fire until the end of Revelation. But let me just say this to you. When Satan is consigned to hell, when he is, He's not going to be, he's, he's going to be the chief victim there. He's not going to be the guy in charge. So when people go, dude, dude, I'm just going to party with my bros in hell. No, they're, they're, you understand, right now, it's a place 
of torment. And there is no Satan down there going, you know. But he will one day. And he won't be in charge. So in verse 7, we see that war broke out. Well, who's, who's fighting? We see Michael, okay? The opponents here are Michael and his angels against Satan and his angels. Everybody got that? This is so key. This is so important. You go, why? Because here's what I want you to notice. This battle is not between God and Satan, okay? It's between Michael and Satan. These were two created angels and their forces of battling each other. So, so important. Why? Because we tend to bid God creator of all things, most powerful against Satan. And if we did that, guys, I mean, think about it. It wouldn't even be a battle. You understand? I mean, it would not even be a fight. Satan has perpetuated the lie that he is God's opposite. Guys, that's why the Bible says to you and I, resist him and he'll flee. He he has to go. And if we knew the power of Christ in us, we wouldn't be afraid of the devil or the demons. Because he's not. He's not the opposite of God. Listen to me. Satan is not omniscient. Okay? He's not omnipresent. He can't be here and there all over. He's not omnipotent. He is a created being who would not last the initial bell with God. If God and Satan ever fought, it would be something like this. Ding, done. That's all it'd be. You know that. But see, Christ lives in you. He lives in you, and so you have that power. There's no comparison. And so we don't have to fear, unless the enemy, Satan himself, is propagating that fear that he is just as strong As God. And a lot of times, guys, we are what? We are moved by fear. Oh, oh, oh. Nathalie had talked to a young lady who was involved in Satan worship. Her family was involved in the pagan Satan worship and the doctrine of demons and everything. Well, she came out, she got saved, and, and she went out and told her one day that if you really knew who they were, you wouldn't be afraid. And she, she knows the power of Christ now, and she knew the power of the enemy. And she goes, there's no way. God is so much greater. And when he says, greater is he that is within us than he that's in the world, you know that. Greater is he. We have that in us, guys. And so we need to walk in that power. But we're also introduced to who? Michael. Michael's an archangel. He's a presence angel. Okay? And so we know that he first makes the scripture known as the defender of Israel. This is who, this is who Michael is. Okay? And it makes sense in light of context, right? Whenever we see Michael, jot this down, whenever you see Michael, there's, there's some, some dispute over Israel. Okay? Think about it. Okay? The Holy Spirit is off the Gentiles and he's now put on the nation of Israel. Why? How so, Ben? Because we're three and a half years in the tribulation. Now, I don't know if we're going to have ringside seats going, wow, check it out. Let's, this is going to be great. But we know that there is going to be a fight. Okay? So we know who Michael is. For the sake of time, I can't go into big detail, 
but we know that these two have fought before. You go, they have? Yeah, Daniel chapter 10. You don't have to turn there unless you're already there, but listen. Daniel chapter 10, uh, picking it up in verse 10, it says, Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees in the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, greatly beloved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright. For now, he says, for I have now been sent to you. While you were speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. From the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. But I've come because of your words. But the prince, notice, in the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princesses, came to help me. For I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, jump over to verse 20 in Daniel chapter 10. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to the fight with the prince of Persia, for I have gone forth. Indeed, the prince of Greece will come. So Michael has been fighting. Now, let me just say this. This is a great application for us. Sometimes you pray. Sometimes you pray and you feel like, does God even hear it? Well, he said, when Daniel prayed, God heard. But there's a war. 21 days. This angel is trying to get to Daniel to give him good news. And he's like, man, listen, 21 days we're fighting. This devil's going, don't you dare go down there. So what do I say? Guys, this is when Jesus tells us that we keep on praying. We keep on asking. We keep on knocking. We just keep, we just have that faith. I wonder if about 20 days, Daniel's like, well, come on, God, I thought you were going to hear me. No, God hears, but sometimes there's some demonic warfare in the world going on. I don't want to tell Aaron. I don't want to give Aaron. I've got to fight. I don't want her to know that good news. I don't want her to. No, no, keep on praying. As a matter of fact, over in Jude, verse 9, it says, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, said, Dare not bring an ex- against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So who? Michael the archangel is now fighting. With, I mean, that's, this is what he does. There's two angels fighting. One's a demon, one's the devil. So why? Why the, in, the insistent battle? Well, guys, listen, Satan wants to eliminate God's people, okay? He wants the world to worship him, and he's going to enforce. Listen, listen, I want you to put your, put your thinking caps on because you're going to walk out of here going, mm-hmm. He wants to enforce a worship system starting in the tribulation and to, so that people will worship. He wants to put in place a worship system. So within the text, the devil's hatred will motivate him during the tribulation period to attempt this final assault against the throne of God. He's like, okay, I have a very short time. I have a very short time. And, and you know what God does? He says, I'm not playing. And he casts him out of heaven and says, you can't come back here. You can't come back here. Now, think, put on your thinking caps, okay? We're, we're raptured. We're raptured. Are we going to see him if he still has access for the first three and a half years? I don't know. I'm over here. I don't know. But I don't know if we're going to be just, okay, we're just we're part of the church and we're part of the bride and the bride, you know, and, and, and he can only have access to God. I don't know, but that would be trippy until three and a half years and the Lord's like, okay, you and your boys out. Okay, you and your boy, done, done. 
But here's what we need to grasp, okay? Here's what you need to take home. Our opponent. Listen, church, listen. The devil's not only God's enemy. He's also our enemy. Remember, last week we talked about what it meant to be on God's team, okay? When you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, okay, this is it. I'm going to be a fully devoted follower of God. I'm going to be a disciple, okay? With that decision, guys, you left Satan's camp and you went to Jesus' camp. Now, it should make us happy that the devil is our enemy. Say, what? Really? Think about it for a minute. The Bible says that we are not for Christ, we're against him. And that would make us his enemy. But if you've given your life to him, the Bible says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I call you friends for all the things I heard from my father and have made known to you, John fifteen five. So at this point, guys, Satan's banned from heaven. Okay? Now, there's two reactions. You go, really? Yeah. What happens? First reaction, all heaven rejoices. Yay! The problem is, is there's a woe pronounced upon the inhabitants of the earth. You go, why? Because he says this, listen. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows the time is short. He has literally three and a half years before he's going to be cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Three and a half years. So once he's cast down, all hell and plus break loose. You go, Ben, 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 Ben. We just studied the first three and a half years. It's a distraction. There's these demon-looking uh, scorpion things that, that sting people and torture them for five months. I mean, and people are dying and, and no, no, no seafood. The, the, the oceans are a mess. The, the, what do you mean? It's even worse right here. And John and the angel said, whoa to you. Heaven's like, yes. And earth is like, oh, no. Oh, no. The devil knows that he's going down. He knows his time is short. So what does he do? He intensifies his effort to persecute Israel with great wrath. He goes on in verse 10. Another tactic Satan uses, again, remember, is the, is the accuser of the brethren. Guys, we, we, we see that. And so it's just going to get, it's, it's, it's going to get crazy. But, but right now, okay, let's talk about right now. Satan still has access to heaven. Do you, do you guys remember Job chapter one? Remember it says, he's up there and, and, and Satan, where do you come from? I'm going to paraphrase for lack of time for, because we have only have 15 minutes. Where, where do you come from? To and fro. So have you considered my servant Job? Yeah, but if you just, Man, he's blessed, Lord. If he's blessed, if you just take away that, he'll curse you. You guys know the story. But guess where Satan is? He's accusing Job. Job didn't do anything wrong, Robert. He was a righteous man, and he was still being accused. He was being accused of actually being blessed. Oh, look at Linda. Well, Linda's blessed. She's got everything. I mean, take away her car. Take away her whatever it might be, right? And then she'll... No, 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 no. See, so the accusation doesn't always have to be you doing something wrong or unrighteous. It could be that you're just simply following Jesus. 
And, and, and the devil will say, well, Misha's doing it for the wrong reasons. Misha's doing it because he's blessed. But he's still accusing us, right? He's still accusing us. Guys, I think it's important. I think it's important for us to be able to distinguish between condemnation of Satan, the guilt, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We have to be, see, because guilt is not always bad. When the Holy Spirit comes to convict your heart, he uses the word of God in love to bring you back to fellowship with the Lord. But when the devil comes, he uses your sin to drive a wedge between you and the Lord. There's a big difference. We need to know, oh, this is the Lord speaking to me, but the Lord will never go out. And you know what? Bethany, if you don't get this right, you're, you're out of fellowship. That's not, that's not God. God always uses his word to pull you closer. The devil always uses your sin to move you farther. And, and guys, we have to learn that. We have to learn the discernment. Conviction is a good thing, right? We call it this way, getting busted, man. Oh, I was so busted. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. And I'll tell you why, Mary, because the Holy Spirit is living inside you to still convict you. That's a beautiful thing. People go, oh, I'm so convicted. I say, amen, because I know God's living inside you. And where do we find? Well, guys, in verse 11, we find victory. And they overcame him. Look at that. By the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. And they didn't love their lives on to death. Guys, think about this, guys. They overcame him by the word of their testimony. You go, what's that? Well, first and foremost, it's the blood of the lamb. Their sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. So no accusation can stand before God. Amen? Think about it. Okay? So the enemy comes, look at Robert. He did. And it's like, nope, I see the blood of Jesus. I don't see anything. I see the blood. Oh, hallelujah. I cover me with the blood. And not only that, but you know what the Bible says? That Jesus is our advocate. He's our lawyer. And he'll stand up and go, "Uh uh-uh, false. I died for him. Not guilty. Think about this. Think about this real quick, okay? And, and we'll go into communion after this. Think about this. Think about if you did a, a, just a horrible crime, okay? And you stood before the judge and you said, okay, judge, I'm guilty. I did it. I did it, you know. And the judge says, hey, your punishment, I'm going to give you the death penalty. Oh, Lord, all, all I did was steal a pack of gum. Are you kidding me? Nope. Nope, Mr. Judge, that's it. But then he gets down, takes off his robe and says, I'll pay the price for them. I'll pay that price. And you can go free. You see that? Well, wait a minute. You just, you, you just imposed a death penalty, right? So he took the death penalty. So now when you're free, he set you completely free. Because the price has been paid. There wasn't, uh, well, let me just atone. I hope you do better. Slap on the wrist. It was, this is the price. This is the price. And then he says, and not only that, but you're victorious by the word of 
their testimony. What does that mean? Guys, they were so faithful to share. See, the, the, second, the second step of overcoming the grip of Satan, you go, what's that? It's that we share our testimony. And when we share into our testimony, we move into Satan's territory, and it's intimidating to him. Our testimony is powerful and irrefutable. You go, what do you mean? I can argue Bible all day long with you. But you know what I can't argue? About a changed life. I can't, I, what do you mean? Yeah, I used to be this. You don't understand. This is who I was. This is what God has done. Explain that to me. Well, you just were good. No, my life has been thoroughly changed. I can't argue with that. And neither can the enemy. Neither can the enemy. So as we come to the end of our study, guys, um, let's meditate on verse 11. As we partake communion, guys, let's just be reminded that, that listen, um, that we're victorious. How so? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Let's remember our testimony, how we got saved, how God, how God did that. And let's not love our lives unto death. Let's be ready to do what God has called us to do. Father, thank you today for your word. Wow. Woo. A war in heaven. But Lord, as we come to the communion table, Lord, I just want to remind us, God. Lord, I just want to remind, just, just be reminded, Lord, of how victorious we really are. And how, Lord, you have saved us. And Lord, by the blood of the Lamb, Lord, how you sent your Son. And this is really all about communion, God, how you sent your Son to die on the cross. And he shed his blood for the remission of sins. And how, Lord, even, even the communion, Lord, is just those elements, God. And they're symbolic of the cross. Lord, as we take communion tonight, I pray. Lord, I pray that we would, Lord, just remember that. Remember the cross. Remember, Lord, that as we take this together, God, that, that, um, that, that, Lord, you're coming back for us. And this is part of a celebration. But, Lord, also remind us to share our testimony. To share what God has done in every one of our lives. And most importantly, Lord, help us to stay close, close, close to you because I just want to reflect who you are in the days and months and years to come we hope you enjoyed today's message we'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church you can find our contact information location and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church we'll see you next time on the podcast until then may God bless you and your family